Huh? Well, that's true. That's true. There's plenty of work at my house to come on over. Let's, uh, before we begin, I want to pray. Let's pray. God, thank you. Uh, We praise you for this morning. We praise you for this opportunity that we have to be together as family once again. And we ask your blessings upon us as we worship you today. Uh, Be with us. May your Holy Spirit descend upon us uh, as the congregation, as they hear your words. But may your Holy Spirit be within me. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Don't let these words come from me, but they come from you. So would you bless us to that end? Uh, strengthen us. We're going to be talking about temptation today and uh, how we can overcome that. So help us to that end. Please, would you be with us? We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at James 1, verses 12 through 17 today. We're going to, uh, my Salah sermon uh, is going to be kind of away from from what we've been talking about in the last several weeks. And I, I think that's a good break that we need periodically. So if you would, if you'd stand with me, we're going to be looking at James 1, verses 12 through 17. Hear now God's Word. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God can't be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it was conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Grass withers, the flowers fade away. But the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen, church? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, right off the bat in the sermon this morning, we're going to have a short word study. Look at verse 2 of James chapter 1. And you'll see, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, and whenever you face trials of many kinds. Then look at 13 of our reading for this morning. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Okay, Greek word for both trial and temptation are the same word, same base word. So what? Big whoop, right? Well, we usually associate trials with external stresses, don't we? The baby cries nonstop. Our job is driving us nuts. Our retired spouse doesn't have enough to do, and they're driving you nuts. Our our married children are not getting along, and we're worried about our grandchildren. These are these external things, these external trials, they weigh us down. Temptation, on the other hand, while they can be associated with external causes, are usually thought to be internal. Yet, through though those two things, trials and temptations, while they are often not always necessarily connected, our external trials can oftentimes lend themselves to internal temptations. In other words, our external trials can lead us to internal wrong thoughts and we act them out. We're, we're tempted to act out our wrong thoughts. 
the question often arises, why do bad things happen to good people? And we blame God for it a lot of the times, don't we? Why is God tempting me? We may even go so far as to ask. We may even find ourselves questioning God, questioning His love for us, perhaps even resisting His will for us. Now this is what James is addressing here in this particular part of the book of James. At this point, Satan may provide for us an opportunity to escape the stress that we're under, and we might just be invited to do something in a sinful manner. It's at these weak moments, we all experience them at some point or another, we must be ready to stand up under, I prefer the words, stand up against the pressures that Satan is throwing at us. James writes in verse 16, Don't be deceived, my brothers. And I include sisters here as well, okay? You all are not immune to any of these things. Y'all may be able to find stuff better than we do, but you're going to be... Uh, you're going to be prone to these same things, these same temptations and trials that men are. So don't, don't get a high horse on that one, okay? But he's telling us here, do not be deceived. With that being said, let's look at four facts this morning about temptations that we must be able to identify and understand in order to be able to handle temptation and not be deceived. Number one, Temptation is inevitable. Temptation is inevitable. It's going to happen. Temptations, as we all know, are very real. They strike every one of us. Look at our Lord Jesus. He wasn't immune to temptation. If Jesus was not immune to temptation, why do you think we should be? Temptations hit us at inconvenient times. They hit us when we least expect it, when we're at our weakest physically, emotionally, but I would say most especially spiritually. They can hit us at home. They can hit us at work. They can hit us on vacation. Maybe they can hit you right in the middle of worship services. Maybe some of you all were tempted to not even come this morning, especially figuring out I was going to be the one preaching this morning. Temptations affect our children, the leaders of this community. They affect our state. They affect our nation. It affects leaders and followers. Verse 13, James says right off here, when tempted. Did you hear that? When tempted. Not if, okay? We're going to be tempted, period. The Christian life is not an easy life to live. How many would agree with that? We'll be challenged. We will be tried. We will be tempted. I think we can all agree with all of those statements. If you look at Mark chapter 1, verse 10. Now, understand the book of Mark, okay? The book of Mark is is the very first gospel that we have, okay? But it's also... Kind of condensed. Mark was one of those guys who who wrote what he saw and then went on to something else, okay? By the 10th verse of chapter 1 of the book of Mark, Jesus is baptized. Now, look at Matthew and, and Luke. 
we have a very or, you know ornate type of, of description of Jesus' birth and, and the preparation for his birth and all that. Not here. Mark says, boom, verse 10, you're born, you're already an adult, and you're about to be baptized. But look at verse 12. Two verses over. At once he was taken into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days. Brothers and sisters, this was not an accident. Being in the family of God, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, does not make us immune to temptation. Far from it. In fact, I believe that that's where Satan really turns it on. I had a secretary in Florida, still one of the best friends that my, my wife and I have with her, her husband and her. We still communicate quite often. But she, though she was, likes to remind me, she was born the year I graduated from high school. I didn't exactly endear her to me, but it is what it is, I guess. But she had wisdom far superior to anything that I ever knew. And I would come into the office at times after having a a particularly rough day. Things weren't going well in the church. Maybe a a person or two has given me a fit, one thing or another. And I'd go in and I'd talk to Karen and I'd say, Look, you know, this this is getting out of hand. This is just ridiculous. And she would always tell me one thing very calmly, with her smile. You must be doing something right. First time she asked me that, I'd say, what? Doing something right? She said, yeah. Think about it. Satan wouldn't be on your case if things were, if you weren't doing things right in the church. Well, expand that out to each one of us. As we are doing things, as we are following or becoming closer and closer to Christ, Satan is working harder and harder and harder upon us. But to think about it. Think about before you were a Christian. Before you had Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life. As we lived our lives in in sin, we were happier than a pig in slop, weren't we? Sure, we were tried. Certainly, we had our moments of temptation. But caving into temptation before we became a follower of Jesus really wasn't that big a deal. We could cuss, we could fuss, we could go out with the guys or the gals and and forget our troubles for a while. And we could blame God for all our troubles. That was a safe thing to do, wasn't it? We were in Satan's back pocket and he did not have to worry about keeping you there. But it all changed when we decided to follow Jesus. It was good this morning the way you you did yours, Brett. And you know what happened that morning after Jesus came into Brett's heart? Satan was irate. Satan was not happy with Brett Sartain at all. Neither is he happy with any of us when we give our lives to Jesus. You see, then that's when Satan has to go to work to get you back in his back pocket once more. And the trials and the temptations are going to come at you fast and furious. Some of these trials and temptations may be some that you recognize. Satan may throw you a curve, though, every once in a while and offer you a new temptation just to see if you'll bite. Think about that one. 
And many times, we might cave in. We, we still do at times today, don't we? Satan does not give up on us when we decide to follow Jesus. Far from it. But we've got to understand that at the same time, Jesus went through those same temptations that we went through. So He could know, so He could understand where we are. But know that as inevitable as it is, temptation is not sin. Hebrews 4.15 again tells us about Jesus and the fact that He was tempted, but He did not sin. He did not act on those temptations. Temptation is simply an engraved invitation to come to the sin party put on by Satan as your host. The question then is, are we going to RSVP to that party? Temptation then is inevitable. That's number one. Number two, temptation is inexcusable. Temptation is inexcusable. In other words, we shouldn't make excuses when we fall into it. Verses 13 and 14 of our reading, James writes, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, key phrase there, and I like the way he puts this in the English standard, he is lured and enticed. How are we going to handle temptation when it's presented to us? Or when we're presented to it? There is a difference between those two statements. First, we cannot blame anyone else for our temptation. We cannot, nor should we, shift the blame to somebody else. Temptation doesn't come from God, and it isn't God's fault for not being there to bail us out when we fall into it. Proverbs 19.3, you'll hear this statement again. A man's folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Does that mean that God never tests us? Hardly. Does that mean that God purposely places us in harm's way? No, He does not. He doesn't tempt us to do evil. Satan takes the ball and runs with that one. That's why oftentimes bad things happen to good people. Look at the story of Job. Job's a perfect example. And that is one, if you ever come to me with with problems that you're experiencing in life, that's going to be the first thing that I'm going to tell you to do. Go back and read the book of Job, okay? And then we'll talk again. Because there is so much in that particular book. It's the first book that's ever written. But it, was, it started off at the top there in terms of the wisdom that we can receive from this one man. And the, the problems, the troubles, the trials, the temptations, and all that he went through. Yet we understand that we are going to try to blame everybody else under the sun for our woes, aren't we? Look at Genesis 3. Adam and Eve sinned. And when asked about it by God, this is what Eve responded to. After God quizzed her after what she had done, she simply said, in essence, the devil made me do it. And we've heard that term for years. I think Flip Wilson made it famous. And we hear it and we laugh, right? The devil made me do it. And all of these things, okay? And we think this is funny. Well, Adam wasn't much better. 
He tries to place the blame on God of all things. That woman you put there with me, she made me do it. The serpent deceived me. It's not my fault. You see, God, it's somebody else's fault. Satan is given a great deal of credit for our sinful ways, and yet arguably, maybe he gets a little bit too much credit at times. Proverbs 19.3, again, the first part of that thought. A man's folly ruins his life. It is our fault, but it's because of our sinful nature. Oftentimes we don't need a single soul to help us into our sin, do we? God may provide us a way out of our troubles, and yet we so often decide we like where we are, as wrong as it might be, we'll just as soon stay right there. Thank you very much. Temptation, then, is inexcusable. Number three, temptation's effects are totally predictable. Temptation's effects are totally predictable. Verses 14 and 15, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, again, he is lured and he is enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to to death. Read those words once again from James, okay? This will explain it. Write it down. Put this somewhere where you're very familiar with it. You are very aware of what is being said here that sin can create within your life if you let it happen, if you let it go that far. Heavy words here. So I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Does anybody else feel any pressure on any toes? When you get up this morning, maybe you'll be limping out the door. I hope somebody other than myself, because these words are directed to me. Maybe if you get something out of it, it'll be worthwhile. I'd hate to think that I'm going to be the only one, though, that that walks out limping today. We give in to our own feelings and emotions. We're not quite sure what to do with them until finally... Something that makes us feel good comes along and we're hooked. Doesn't matter how bad we may feel about things the next day. We like them right then, right there. We'll worry about repercussions tomorrow. After all, I'm not hurting anybody else but me, right? Does that sound familiar? That's our culture today. That very thought, that very mantra, leave me alone to do what I want to do. I'm not hurting anybody else. Leave me be. But then sin is born. And that sin becomes a killer. It kills our relationships with others. It hardens our heart. It numbs our spirit. It does what sin is supposed to do. And that's suck us in. In our natural, unsaved state, we like it. And we don't want to stop it. So here's a formula. Desire plus deception leads to disobedience and death. Desire plus deception leads to disobedience and death. Four D's there. Now, the desires we have in our life are not in and of themselves 
evil or sinful, okay? Without certain desires, we couldn't live. Eating, for instance, not a bad thing. Watching TV, doing crossword puzzles, knitting, sewing. I'm a big Sudoku fan. I love doing Sudoku puzzles. It keeps my mind active. Working, studying. I mean, these things are that on the surface keep us going every day, do they not? And yet it's when we decide to take those things to a degree further than what, in God, than what God had intended them for, that's when we run into a little bit of a problem. Eating becomes gluttony. Crosswords, so many other things that we can do and enjoy in life become obsessions. Idols, perhaps. Addictions. You ever heard the term workaholic? Good term. And these things, by those names, can become death traps. Death in relationships. Death in health. Death in faith. An innocent activity becomes a trap that is nearly impossible to escape at times. Desire then brings along with it deception. The Greek word for entice means to lure. What else do we know the term lure in? Anybody? Fishing. Fishing. Absolutely right. And what is a lure designed to do? It's, it's designed to attract and hook, right? And we know what happens to a fish more times than not when it is caught. That's it. It's, a fish becomes history. becomes somebody's dinner. Temptation has with it a lure. And that lure... Is going to be attractive. Otherwise, it ain't going to be a lure, huh? I'm not a fisherman, and I can figure that one out. I, I don't think anyone or any fish sets up on any given day after he gets out of his little fish bed. I don't think any fish gets up one morning and says, you know, today's a good day to get lured. I feel like getting hooked today and becoming somebody's dinner tonight. Ha! No, you're not going to see that. Fish aren't going to do that sort of thing. They're at least that smart, you know? I got at least a fish brain. Anyway, temptation always carries with it some bait that is going to appeal to our natural senses. The temptation not only attracts us, but it hides the fact that yielding to that attractive bait will eventually bring to us sorrow and punishment. We're blinded to it. Desire and deception brings upon us disobedience. And disobedience, of course, is sin. After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And, of course, we know what sin brings. It brings death, doesn't it? And this uncontrolled desire leads to an evil deed, which if left unattended, or if we do not become aware of that evil that's within our lives and repent from it, we turn completely from it. We keep from committing that sin once more. A repent is moving from this point to this point, directly opposite of the direction that you were before. That's what repenting is all about. If we do not do that, Get doing our best to turn from that evil that, that is in our lives, understanding that evil for what it is. If we do not repent, it is going to bring us spiritual pain, sorrow, and death. 
this is not a funny, the devil made me do it situation. Sin is deadly serious. Verse 16, James again, again writes, Do not be deceived, brethren, or dear brothers and sisters. I'm adding that one in. Do not be taken in by Satan. Temptation and its effects are predictable. Lastly, and this is the good news, temptation is conquerable. Temptation is conquerable. James reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. He gave us His Son, the most perfect gift of all. God is constant. He is consistent. God doesn't change. We know and we can understand what He says and means through His Word. Not just today, but tomorrow and the day after and a hundred years from now and a thousand years from now if He tarries. His Word will remain His Word. We don't have to worry about God thinking anything different than what we know in the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. The English Standard again says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But when, not if, you are tempted, Paul writes, He'll provide you a way out so that you can stand up under whatever temptation that might be. This is not a bailout now, okay? This is a work through the Holy Spirit. This is another service that the Holy Spirit provides for us. And we will be strong. God will provide that strength that we need against the temptation that comes against us. No matter how great that temptation might be, His power given to us as His children is far greater than any power, than any temptation might have to lure you. So the battle is winnable. Temptation is conquerable. I read a survey recently that gives us some idea of what God gives to us to help us resist temptation, even, even before it happens. These are tools at our disposal. Number one, maybe the most important, prayer. I think that is the most important one. Conversations with God anytime you need them, anytime you want them. He's waiting for you right there. Avoid the situations right off the bat. Use a little common sense. God gave you a brain to use it in, in such a way that we can understand what temptation is or what trials are in our lives. Stop for a second. Consider where you are right then before you do anything else. Pray about it. Don't put yourself in a position to be attacked by Satan. Bible study. Now, Bible study is, is one thing, okay? I've, I've heard, well, we can read the Bible. And I know I've told you all this before, but I had a guy tell me one time in my first church down in Blackstock, South Carolina, he said, I've asked preachers this before. How many times have you read the Bible? And he said, I had one preacher that proudly said, Oh, I've read it dozens of times. 
And he said, every time I do that, I always ask them the same question. What would you get out of it? And they give me this blank look. You can read the Bible in a year. Fine. That's good. But what are you getting out of it when you do it? That's the big thing. So, read, but study. Dwell on God's Word. Don't just pass over it to to check off another box in the day. Being accountable to someone else who might understand your situation. This is another thing. This is a hard thing. I have a devotion that comes to me each Monday and Thursday by a guy named Justin. And his points are always good. But one of the things that he has said is the most, one of the most difficult things for men to do is be accountable or be held accountable by another man. We don't want to open ourselves up like that, do we? Men are proud. <laughs> a man. And they think, you know, just because you're a man, you should not be susceptible to trials and temptations. You should be above that. That's not the case at all, folks. So we need somebody that we can talk to, somebody that can, can, we can hold them accountable and they can hold us accountable. I think that's very important for a two-way street with that. Don't leave yourself exposed to weakness alone. Now, I read in one place, one thing that we can do is exercise. Oh, you mean exercise can help fight temptation? A spiritual exercise, okay? Some of these things you're going to hear again. But faith-building exercises. Trust in the Lord in His ways. Prayer reading the Scriptures. Encourage others and rely on encouragement from others. Stay away from those things that you're prone to be lured into. guy goes to a doctor and says his arm had been broken in two places. The doctor looks at him and says, well, it's very simple. Just don't go to those two places. (laughs) Okay, just... Okay. Don't make me say it again. He, he didn't mean just every once in a while. He meant for good. That's how we can avoid temptation. Spiritual exercise, not just doing something one time, but over and over again, creating good spiritual work habits. One last important thing. James 4 Verses 7 and 8 says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you hear those words? Look at James 4, 7 and 8 and mark them in your Bible if you haven't already. Those are some important words you need to learn to live by. Even when you're being tempted, fight back. Don't just accept it for what it is. Fight back. You've got to want to fight back. You've got to want to fight that temptation. Otherwise, it's just going to overwhelm you like a, 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 an ocean, a, a wave in the ocean. But no, when you do fight back, two things are going to happen. Remember this. First, God's going to be there to see you through. And second, is number two, Satan will run from you like a scared rabbit. Try it sometime when you're being tempted. 
Call upon God. God, in the name of Jesus, make this temptation go away. Get away from me, Satan. And watch what happens. He'll do it. He'll, he'll go. So remember those things. Temptation is nothing to laugh about or simply to brush aside. It is serious. It is deadly. But the good news, God has given us protection against it in the form of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who experienced temptation firsthand. Jesus answered to Satan. Look at Matthew 4.10. After he was tempted, it was very simple. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then look one verse over, Matthew 4, 11. After Jesus said those words, the next thing that happened, the devil left him. And the angels came to him and ministered to him. Keep your focus on the one who can protect you, not on the one who will lead you away from your protector. If you let him, God can and he will keep you safe from your temptations. It's the good news of the gospel. Live in its peace this day and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you again for this privilege, for just knowing that you're there for us. What peace and comfort it can give us. But Lord, you also gave us a brain to be able to understand things. So help us by helping ourselves to fight this temptation. We've got to want to do it. We've got to have that motivation. So instill in us that desire to have Satan flee from us. What a joy that is to see Satan's backside as he is running away from us because you have taken us over. Bless us to that end, we ask. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.